You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. White House Chief Economic Advisor Larry Cutlow joins the Post to discuss the state of the U.S. economy, whether Congress can pass a COVID relief bill before adjourning, and the economic challenges the next administration will face. Let's listen. Larry, welcome back to Washington Post Live. Thank you, Robert. I Sorry I cut in. I couldn't hear you, but you're now loud and clear. Good to be with you. I'm glad to hear it, Larry. And I hear you loud and clear. So let's begin with a loud and clear exchange on the economy. The the latest jobs numbers are not promising. Uh, Does the president regret he didn't push for a stimulus in the run-up to the election? Well, two things here. Uh, First of all, I want to say that the economy right now is much stronger than that jobs report. I think the jobs report is basically an outlier. And I think the drop to 6.7% unemployment is very important. You know, we've cut the unemployment rate by near 60% in six months' time. It took five years for the prior administration. But let me make more important. 484,000 people in the private survey uh, were added to the job rolls. And that's why I think it's much more promising New business applications are soaring right now. So you're seeing a continuation of strong growth. Every other index, Bob, and this is the key point, whether you're looking at housing, which is in a boom, um, mortgage applications for new homes, new purchases, uh, up 27% year on year. Automobiles, uh, very, very strong. Consumer spending, very, very strong. Uh, We're seeing durable goods manufacturing CapEx, very, very strong. The PMIs, the purchasing managers, Mm -hmm. very, very strong. My favorite, we are here at the holiday season. Uh, My favorite indicator is from my friend Ed Hyman, uh, one of the very best Wall Street economists. His people survey uh, Christmas tree sales around the country, and um, they're up 29% above a year ago. That's Uh, pre-pandemic. So look, I'm just going to make the case that I think we are in a strong V-shaped recovery. I do believe there are threats to that recovery with respect to the Christmas uh, pops in uh, the Christmas jumps in the virus. We can talk about that in a moment. Uh, However, Larry, just to jump in just for a moment on on the the V-shaped recovery point you just made. uh, Do you now acknowledge, though, that it's not a total V-shaped recovery, that the economy needs help, that it's not just going to be a total V-shape bounce back? Well, I don't know. I mean, every indicator I just mentioned is a V, every single one. Now, I've I've made the case, the president's made the case. I, I have to just push back a little bit your opening sentence. President Trump pre-election uh, has always wanted a deal uh, with respect to extending some of the um, Uh, assistance from the federal government. He's always wanted a deal. In fact, pre-election, he issued several uh, executive orders. I mean, I know this because I helped write them, uh, that added federal uh, unemployment assistance, um, took care of, um, you know, various uh, home delinquencies, student loan delinquencies, evictions, and so forth. I mean, he's always been. What he didn't want is a three or four trillion dollar package where uh, over a third of it had nothing to do with COVID or the economy. So I, you know, I just think that's sure. not Sure. So correct. what's his level of engagement right now, Larry, in the stimulus talks? Well, we, look, 
we're talking, we're, uh, lots of conversations going on. And mm -hmm. Bob, we are moving in the right direction, I think. We're getting closer. I can't guarantee, I, I'm not here uh, today to make an announcement, but I, I will say with respect to core, what I'll call core principles that we have supported all along, uh, to wit, uh, extend the small business loans, the so PPP, uh, which was a great help. By the way, temporary layoffs have fallen 85%. Uh, that's a tremendous number, and I think attests to that PPP relief uh, package. Number two, we should have unemployment assistance because even 6.7% is too high, and uh, we're getting reports that uh, some of the states on the two coasts are beginning heavy restrictions on new businesses. I don't agree with that point of view, but whatever. We're worried about spiking uh, um, COVID. So we'd like to get some uh, federal plus up. And I think the number is congregating around $300 a week, which would be acceptable uh, to the administration. We're more, more uh, than happy to put in uh, any additional no uh, dollars for the um, vaccination, uh, the distribution of the vaccination. Uh, we're happy to do that. And we've always been happy to put in more uh, money for schools, uh, particularly COVID related, any kind of, you know, equipment or partitions or renovations that are necessary to keep the schools open. We believe the schools should be kept open. So I I'm not here to negotiate, obviously, and I'm not here to make a decision, but I can tell you, the congressional committees in both houses are talking on both sides of the aisle. The leadership is talking on both sides of the aisle. Uh, we are joining that uh, discussion, the president, uh, the treasury secretary. Uh, we're all talking to the, each other right now. So is the president would... on the same page as Leader McConnell? Uh, in the main, by the way, speaking of Leader McConnell, I, I neglected. There has to be some liability limits in this. Uh, and is that a way, red the... line for the White House? Well, I don't want to talk about red lines. Um, Senator McConnell's really our lead negotiator. But look, we all agree, and I noticed that the, the, the bipartisan problem solvers uh, have uh, liability limits in their proposal. And I think that's just common sense. Those limitations, by the way, would not only help small businesses, which is, you know, they're not in good shape, particularly with these new restrictions, but also help schools, school systems, and also help governments. So I think um, this is no time for the trial lawyers to get in the way. And that's one of the key points that has to be uh, in this package. What's your personal level of engagement on the stimulus? Um, we're involved every day. We're here to back up. Uh, Chief Meadows and um, Secretary of the Treasury uh, Mnuchin, and of course, mm -hmm. advise the president. We've had quite a few conversations about this. Um, but I think it's fair to say right now, in terms of our position, Senator McConnell is really the leader. Um, but again, we're all in the midst of these discussions. And incidentally, again, to repeat, before and now after the election, President Trump has always argued in favor of an additional assistance package, always. So he's argued in favor, but is he going to lean in, Larry? I mean, if you're talking to an everyday American who's looking for some more support, or you're talking to an investor, and you're being candid with them, and they say, is there going to be a deal before the new year or not, what would you say? 
I'd say the odds are improving. Well, that's very vague. <laughs> I know. You're asking me to make a legislative, political but You're not making a hard bet there. The odds are improving. I mean, that's, that's not We're, total optimism. Uh, I'm going to play this one on the cautiously optimistic side, only because, as you know, we've had a bunch of false starts, particularly before the election. We thought we were headed into it. Look, um, Speaker Pelosi, who insisted before the election there would be no package uh, unless it was the two to three trillion, she has changed her view. That's a big plus, okay? I give a credit here. I don't, I'm not being uh, snarky, I'm giving her credit. Good. Uh, we're now focusing on this $900 billion problem solvers package, and I'm not here to say that's the deal. I'm not, I'm just saying the fact that Speaker Pelosi signed on to that uh, is a good step in the right direction. I can't make a forecast, Robert, you know that. We'll know it when we know it. There are other complications. Yeah, but when you say you're focused on the problem solvers deal, 908 billion, that's a pretty big indicator that that's where the deal could be. The problem solvers deal is where the White House's chief economic advisor has his eye. I think that um, the policies inside the package are more important than the number. I will say this number is more reasonable, far more reasonable than uh, the Democrats, uh, Democratic numbers uh, a month ago or two months ago, far more reasonable. And I think that's why I characterize this as a step in the right direction. And I would also be cautiously optimistic about it. Uh, that's about as far as I can go. Why do you think that the centrists uh, Senator Collins, Senator Romney, Senator Manchin are driving this negotiation in a way they were months ago. What's going on? Um, that's hard to say. I, I just think that I, I don't know. All right, I know all of them. Have a great deal of respect for them. Uh, I think there was a sense uh, after the election that. People wanted to give another try. It looked dead in the water pre-election, after the election. Um, maybe this, some of the sensitivities of the election have waned a bit. Um, I, you know, I, I think Washington in general, okay, this is a, I can only take credit for this statement myself, but I think in general, the congressional leaders want a package. But it has to be, a good package, a smart package, and again, it has to deal with the core issues of small businesses and distribution of the vaccines and keeping the schools open and uh, liability limitations, things of that sort. We still uh, don't want, President doesn't want to see a gigantic assistance package for state and local governments that he believes uh, were mismanaged, and I think he has a pretty strong point there. So. My understanding of this bipartisan package is they have moved significantly in the Republican Senate direction and in the White House direction, and uh, the Democrats are more attentive to it now, the speaker and so forth. So that's the only answer I can give you. Are you talking to the Biden people at all about the stimulus in the economy? I personally have not yet. Um, I have written a couple of notes of congratulations to very dear friends of mine 
who have uh, been announced to have posts in the Biden administration. They're old friends. And although we may differ on policies, they're still old friends. Um, former regulars on the uh, uh, primetime hit show, Cudlow Report on CNBC. Jared Bernstein, for sure, was. I, I think he was on the Cudlow Report more than Larry Cudlow, Jared Bernstein. <laughs> I don't want to get Jared in any trouble, <laughs> but yes, he was one of the notes I wrote. <laughs> I don't think he has to be confirmed by the Senate, so he's okay. No, he does not. He does not. Uh, well, what does that tell you about one of your professional associates for years, Jared Bernstein, a guest on your program on CNBC? He's part of the Biden inner circle on the economy. What do you make of the Biden team? Um, I'm not going to pass judgment. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to take their inventory right now. Um, first of all, we've got to get through the Electoral College, uh, which is in a week or 10 days, and we'll see how that shapes up. As you know, uh, the president is still pursuing uh, various avenues uh, to stop what he believes and what others believe is a good deal of election fraud. So I'll just say that and put that aside. Um, I myself, uh, besides uh, Jared, uh, have been friends or colleagues, pals with a number of, of the folks coming in. I, to, to lesser degrees or more degrees, I agree or disagree with their policies. I'm not going to take their inventory. I believe in honeymoons. Um, I think the Janet Yellen pick at the Treasury was a good idea. Uh, but as you know, Robert, it's not exactly a break in news. I simply do not agree uh, with Mr. Biden's tax and regulatory increases, and I don't agree with his environmental policies, Paris uh, climate, so forth, and uh, ending fossil fuels. I just don't agree with that. A number of foreign policy issues. But look, they're going to start. Why is uh, why is Dr. Yellen a, a solid pick in your view? Well, I think she knows the ropes. I think she did a decent job at the Fed. I might not agree with her on every point. Um, she's more of a spender. I'm a tax cutter, as you know, supply sider. But I think she has very sensible views on the economy. And by the way, I I know that um, that, that team wants to roll back the Trump tax cuts. Uh, I don't think they will try this. In, um, 2021, if that is the administration. I have to qualify this to some extent, but I don't think there are going to be tax cuts, uh, rather tax hikes next year. I don't think there will be. And I think um, Ms. Yellen will be an advisor who says 2021 is not the time to raise taxes. Now, I wouldn't repeal the Trump tax cuts in any event, in any year, but I think she will say insofar as timing is concerned, and uh, we're still climbing out of the pandemic contraction. I don't think she will recommend tax hikes. And I think that's a very good thing. Well, a lot of that will depend certainly on who wins those two Senate seats in Georgia in January in the runoff, who will have the Senate majority. And Larry, since you just said your statement about the election, for our audience, uh, you should know that at the Washington Post, we believe and we have asserted uh, based on all the results that Joe Biden is president-elect of the United States. And based on our reporting, 
President Trump's claims about election fraud and the election being rigged are baseless. But we'll continue with our talk about the economy here. Thank you. Larry, about China, we've talked about China a lot over the past couple of years since you've been in your post in the White House. I'm curious, how are they handling this transition and what is the status of the trade talks with China during this tense moment during our transition period? Well, on the trade talks, we remain engaged. Probably that's the the best lane uh, in terms of U.S.-China relations. We have major disagreements as elsewhere, but uh, ambassador, our trade ambassador, Bob Lighthizer, uh, has advised us, and the data show this, that China is abiding uh, by a good chunk of the phase one trade deal. Uh, they may be behind because of the <clears throat> pandemic situation, but they are buying commodities. Um, commodity prices have gone up a bit. That's one reason, not the only one, but that's one reason. Um, we can't be totally certain about some of the other areas in phase one, the so-called institutional structural changes, but there seems to be some positive movement with respect to um, setting up new laws and new legal bodies, judiciary bodies, to stop the uh, extraordinary theft of our intellectual property, which was, as you know, a key part of our concerns and this deal. So I, I, I would say on the whole, that part of the China story is okay. What about uh, new tariffs? The, are, are new tariffs in the works? Uh, we're, we're not planning on any new tariffs. Just curious about that. Larry, back to the stimulus for a moment. We were talking a lot about the problem solvers proposal. If that was passed, would the president sign it? Uh, I believe that it is likely he will. But again, it depends importantly on some of the policy mm -hmm. details inside. Again, Bob, I stress it's not the aggregate number so much as it is the specific policies that um, would be discussed and, and proposed. So I would say uh, there is a likelihood he would sign. He has indicated. He has not endorsed that, by the way. Uh, one or two people on the Sunday shows yesterday said that he endorsed the problem solvers. No, he hasn't. But he has indicated, as I said before, before election and now, he's indicated a willingness to provide additional assistance. All right, I've spoken to him about it several times and um, spoken to Steve Mnuchin and others. So yes, but it depends on the specific policies. Let's say the stimulus doesn't happen. Washington's uh, has its gridlock. What could the Fed do between now and January 20th? What would the White House like to see the Fed do? Rates are near zero. Well, look, um, the Fed's done a good job. The president has said that. Uh, Steve Mnuchin and I have said that. Uh, they acted rapidly last winter. And uh, as, you, as you say, moved the rate policy rate down to zero. They started expanding their balance sheet, buying assets. We set up a number of emergency programs and facilities. Uh, some of those will expire at the end of the year, but there's still, we have plenty of resources, uh, plenty of firepower to set up 
additional or new emergencies, uh, emergency facilities if the need arises. Depends on the economy, of course. We give the Fed very high marks. We give Mr. Powell very high marks. As you know, the president has called him the most improved player of the year in 2021. Would you like to see the Fed expand its bond buying? Um, I, I don't know. The bond buying has been very heavy. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd rather the Fed purchase treasuries rather than mortgage-backed or other asset-backed um, instruments. But I do know that they poured in over $3 trillion. I think that was appropriate. I think that was appropriate with respect to the uh, terrible hardships of the pandemic contraction and the mitigation shutdown. We're coming out of that now, and that's good. But I think the Fed uh, still, you know, the M2 money supply is growing at 25% year on year. In normal times, uh, that would generate massive inflation. But this is not a normal time. The demand for uh, money is very high. People want liquidity. They're risk averse. They're saving a lot of money. So I think the Fed has adopted to this very well. Um, Again, I give them high marks. Do I want them to do more? I I would say a steady pace will be fine. They may do more um, around the margins. Uh, We'll wait and see. Let's talk about the markets, Larry. In the days before the election, I remember seeing you on television and you essentially said the, the markets may regret uh, a Biden presidency, but we haven't seen a sell-off since Election Day in the markets. In fact, pretty much the opposite. What explains that? What's your response to how the markets have handled President-elect Biden? Well, we haven't seen a Biden presidency yet. Again, some of the issues that are of great concern to market people, I hear this all the time, and certainly great concern to me, Uh, is the threat of a massive wave of tax increases accompanied by a massive wave of new regulations and, you know, virtual destruction of our energy sector. If those things come to pass, uh, not immediately, but if they do come to pass over a period of time, I think it will be very damaging to the economy uh, and to the markets. It's one of the reasons that I observe, uh, at least in the relatively short run, let's say the next six months, nine months, perhaps a year, that the uh, new Treasury Secretary, if if she is in fact uh, confirmed, Ms. Yellen, Janet Yellen, will probably argue against immediate tax hikes. And I think the market in general received her appointment uh, rather well, but also The market is seeing a very strong economy right now. Again, unemployment has fallen by nearly 60% in six months. Uh, All these sectors that I mentioned, housing, automobiles, CapEx, durable goods, Christmas tree sales, consumer spending, um, and jobs have all increased. Profits, Bob, are being revised upward almost on a daily basis. Earnings are being revised upwards almost on a daily basis. And with the low interest rate outlook, a zero interest rate outlook, and long-term bonds are holding steady at around slightly less than 1%, slightly more than 1%, that's a very favorable environment for the stock market. My view was a policy view. It wasn't a timing view. I mean, usually I'm a buy and hold guy, and I'm usually optimistic. But I think 
raising taxes as we are trying to come out of this deep pandemic contraction would choke off this recovery, which has been strong, this V-shaped recovery, and would have very detrimental effect uh, on the markets. Larry, you have a, a, a unique perch. You're inside of the Trump White House. We've seen many reports from the Post and others in recent days that the president is angry. He's working with Rudy Giuliani, who's now been hospitalized with the coronavirus. The president's furious, and he is, for some reports, not working too much, not focused on the pandemic. What's your response to those reports and that talk? Well, I spent a lot of time with him mm -hmm. in recent, actually recent weeks. I mean, we were together, let's see, a couple of weekends ago, we had APEC and G20 meetings. So I spent about six hours with him. We just had a China policy meeting uh, in the Oval Office. Uh, I've spoken to him many times. I don't see an angry president. I do see a president who uh, believes it's important to look very carefully at uh, possible election fraud. Okay, I do see that. I think that is his right. On the other hand, I think he's engaged. We've already made um, some foreign policy decisions. Uh, we will be signing, he will be signing some executive orders uh, on some important domestic and economic uh, issues. And um, I think the business of governing and the business of developing policy continues to go very well in the White House. I don't see this, I, I, I've read about it, but I don't see this angry, angry president. I see a, a, a person who has, uh, first of all, been very gracious uh, to those of us uh, who are close to him in, in a circle. And he's also working hard on everything. Yes, the election issue is part of that work. So is foreign policy. So is economic policy. So is trade policy. Speaking of that word gracious, some of my Biden sources are wondering, will the president show up at the inauguration? Do you believe he should show up at the inauguration and signal a peaceful transfer of power? Uh, well, Robert, I know there'll be a peaceful transfer of power. And as I said, right after the election, um, the United States, the greatest democracy in the world, we believe in the rule of law. And, and of course, the president believes in the rule of law, and there will be a peaceful transfer of power. He has said that. Uh, I cannot predict uh, what he'll do uh, with respect to the inauguration or plans to leave. That's completely up to him and the first lady. And um, I'm not going to make a prediction on that. That's completely up to him. Are you going to stay through the inauguration? Uh, <laughs> I'm a day to time guy. Um, I haven't mapped out my specific plans yet. Uh, I will be going back to uh, New York at some point, and I will go back to the TV and radio business, which I love so much, and where I discovered one of the best political reporters in the business named Robert Costa, also a regular on the uh, Cudlow Report. <laughs> so I will, I'm looking forward to uh, lots of interesting opportunities. People have been very gracious to me. And, you know, Bob, any you news to talked, share, Larry, on that? No, I, I'm not going to reveal anything right now. The plans have not been uh, completely confirmed yet. And I have to be very careful with respect to uh, ethics laws and the like. But um, as you know, we've talked publicly and privately 
Um, this job was a great honor for me to serve the president, to serve the country. Um, this uh, greatest honor of my professional career. I love the job. Uh, I love the policy issues. National Economic Council is a great place to work and, and direct. Um, I appreciate very much uh, the president and the first lady having me here. I, I've stayed nearly three years, probably longer than you or I or a lot of people thought I stayed, but I got involved and engaged and frankly, I love the work. And um, in any case, win, lose, or draw, I, I would not have served a second term. It's time for me to get on with the rest of my life. My saintly bride, my saintly wife will um, continue her uh, painting career. As you know, she's a distinguished artist. And we'll just uh, keep forging ahead. But I will say this, Robert, one thing I can predict, you know, I think President Trump uh, conducted a very consequential administration with enormous policy changes. You think and he runs again? I don't know, but I've spoken to him about this. And I think those of us who are deeply involved in policy, in my case, the economic uh, trade uh, regulatory lanes, um, we will be uh, talking and writing about the uh, important consequences, the positive consequences of what the uh, Trump administration uh, did. Uh, regarding the future, I, I don't know. Um, President might run again. He has um, been thinking about that out loud uh, with some of us, um, but that of course will be up to him in the future. But again, um, certain policy principles, which I might add in, in my long career, for which I'm completely grateful, the Lord has been very good to me, um, these are policy principles that I saw at work in the Reagan administration many years ago when I was here, first in government. And as you know, I wrote a book on JFK and Reagan, and they're policy principles that the late John F. Kennedy espoused. And every time we went in that direction, lower taxes, lower regulations, particularly, mm -hmm. um, business flourished, the economy flourished, jobs flourished, opportunities flourished. So I think um, President Trump put us on the right direction. And frankly, I hope that direction does not change. Larry Kudlow, many thanks for being with us today here at Washington Post Live. Always appreciate your time. Pleasure. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us here again at Washington Post Live. Really appreciate it. Taking the time on a busy Monday, a busy afternoon. You can join my colleague, David Ignatius, uh, this afternoon at 3.30 Eastern for an important conversation with the head of Warp Speed, the Operation Warp Speed Vaccine Distribution Project. That's Lieutenant General Paul Ostrowski. He will be David Ignatius, and he will be speaking with David Ignatius, will be the guest on Washington Post Live this afternoon, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, an important conversation. But for now, thanks so much for being here, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.